Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, March 30th, and this is your FT News Briefing. One of the world's biggest online retailers is splitting itself up into six smaller companies. The world's biggest crypto exchange says it's got nothing to do with China anymore, but our reporter finds otherwise. And Switzerland's biggest bank, UBS, is calling in a new CEO as it prepares to digest Credit Suisse. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Social media giant Meta is considering a ban on political ads in Europe. Meta executives are concerned that its social networking platforms like Facebook and Instagram won't comply with European Union regulations that are in the works. The European Union is working on new laws to force big tech companies to reveal more information about the political groups behind online campaigns and which users they're targeting. Sources tell the FT that Meta is concerned that the EU's definition of a political ad will be too broad, and that would make it easy to refuse all paid-for political campaigns on the company's sites. Switzerland's biggest bank, UBS, is about to swallow its rival Credit Suisse in a rescue deal brokered by Swiss authorities last week. But UBS's board decided they want a different CEO to manage the process. So they called in someone familiar. Sergio Ermati ran UBS from 2011 to 2020. He'll replace outgoing head Ralph Hammers. Here's our European banking correspondent, Owen Walker. Sergio was at UBS. He was CEO for nine years. And and in that time, he led a very successful drive to cut back the investment bank and to really refocus the business on wealth management. Um, And that's really what they're looking to do again with the Credit Suisse business. So they're looking for for Sergio to come in and basically pick up where he left off and and do it on a bigger scale. So Oh, and this announcement comes just a week before shareholders gather for UBS's annual general meeting. Was that on purpose? You know, shareholders didn't get a chance to vote on this transaction. And I think although, uh, you know, it's been sort of fairly well received, the takeover of, of Credit Suisse among UBS shareholders, I don't think the board wanted to, uh, you know, have another AGM and then spring another surprise on them and say, oh, by the way, we've just changed our CEO. Uh, the more interesting event next week is going to be Credit Suisse's AGM on the Tuesday. And that promises to be very colourful, very fiery event. There's a lot of anger in Switzerland against the the management team and the uh, the board at Credit Suisse. They really see this as being you know, a national institution which has been lost through incompetence and poor management. Ultimately, it doesn't matter too much because you know, we're in the final weeks of this being an independent business and it will be consumed by UBS fairly soon. But I think it's going to be a, a real sign of protest for a lot of people who are against this takeover. Owen Walker is the FT's European banking correspondent. If you want to hear the inside story about UBS's takeover of Credit Suisse, our sister podcast, Behind the Money, has a great episode on it this week. We'll share a link to that in the show notes. The world's biggest cryptocurrency exchange is having a tough week. On Monday, a top U.S. financial regulator accused Binance of illegally servicing U.S. customers despite the company's claims to the contrary. And then, separately, the FT's digital assets correspondent, Scott Cipollina, reported on Binance's extensive links to China. 
Scott joins us now to talk about what's going on. Hey, Scott. Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, So Binance claims to have left China in 2017, but you found plenty of evidence of operations there well after that time. It turns out they, they hid their links to China. Why is this important? There's a couple of reasons. First is because it, it reveals an inconsistency from the public statements made by Binance's senior executives that they left China. They said that they did that after the Chinese government clamped down on the crypto industry in September 2017. Uh, another reason why it's it's particularly important today is the United States and China are obviously in the midst of a significant you know, economic rivalry, let's call it for want of a better phrase. And one of the things that, that is central to that with regard to Binance is its, its U.S. affiliate called Binance U.S. is currently um, trying to convince American regulators to greenlight the purchase, a, a proposed $1 billion purchase of assets belonging to an American company that went bankrupt last year. And to the extent that the U.S. government wants to control or exert influence over the crypto industry and, and in essence protect its economy from Chinese influence, Links to China as a country from from a company that has attempted to hide those links, I think, is quite is quite interesting. So it kind of sounds like Binance is is in between a rock and a hard place. It's up against regulators in Beijing and U.S. regulators at the U.S. Commodities and Futures Trading Commission. So let's let's talk about that CFTC complaint, uh, Scott. It alleges that Binance was illegally accessing U.S. customers. There are some other damning accusations as well, right? I would I would certainly recommend for listeners to go through the complaint itself because it's certainly worth a read. So just according to the complaint, uh, in one instance in 2020, according to the complaint, a Binance executive said um, in a chat message that certain customers, including some from Russia, were, and I quote directly, here for crime. A colleague allegedly replied again, according to the regulator, and I quote, we see the bad, but we close two eyes. Okay, so that, that's that's uh, a bit of a doozy. Um Scott, is there a link to the timing of the CFTC complaint in your report on Binance's links to China? Uh, no, um, I, w- I wouldn't say that there is. I mean, I've, I've been working on this story for a little bit, uh, and it just so happened that, you know, it was ready this week at the same time as, as the CFTC complaint. So it's in a, in a sense, it's nice that they've both come together at the same time. So for Binance's part, you reported that they say they're working with regulators, uh, they've invested in compliance, and are disappointed with the complaint. Scott, in the end, do you think anything significant is going to happen to Binance? Precedent has told us that, you know, throughout a an array of controversies with regulators around the world, Binance have managed to effectively just crack on. I mean, they control the majority of the crypto trading market. And just by one simple metric, that's considered from a business perspective, at the very least, a success. But I think, you know, this this does, let's say, raise the stakes somewhat. Um, I think that the broad takeaway from the CFTC complaint is that the heat has been turned up on Binance. Scott Cipollina is the FT's digital assets correspondent. Thanks, Scott. Thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate it. Stocks in Hong Kong and China jumped this week after the Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba announced a historic restructuring. Alibaba says it will split into six separate business units. It's the tech company's biggest shakeup since founder Jack Ma launched his company 24 years ago. This is a really pivotal moment for Alibaba. That's the FT's China correspondent, Eleanor Olcott. 
It's emerging out of a really bruising regulatory crackdown, which now appears to be in the back mirror. And Barbar is surveying the destruction over the past two years, which has seen new and more nimble competitors enter into its core market of e-commerce, including Pingdoor and ByteDance. So, Eleanor, what's Alibaba trying to do with this big restructuring? Um, there's only really one thing that they can do with such a large organization. When you're the size of Alibaba, it's really a margins game. It's about improving profitability. Now, Baba has a series of business units that are incredibly inefficient and loss-making, including its entertainment and food delivery businesses. So by cleaving off the successful e-commerce units, which includes the hugely popular e-commerce platforms Taobao and the slightly more upmarket Tmall, um, some analysts project that this could boost the the company's uh, valuation and return more value to to shareholders. Can we assume that Chinese regulators approve of this? I mean, Beijing's been trying to rein in these giant companies, so so splitting up should actually align with that, right? So if you look at what's happening at the other massive Chinese tech giant Tencent, Tencent has been downsizing the stakes in in other Chinese internet groups, including the food delivery service Meituan, in response to regulatory concern about the scale of their influence in this industry and their ability to use the massive influence of its ubiquitous WeChat messaging app to give a leg up to its portfolio companies. There should be this kind of added benefit for Alibaba. Do you see this as a new era for China's tech giants, Eleanor? We're at a really interesting moment for Chinese internet companies. Uh, the way I see it is we're kind of entering a third chapter of their development. The first was marked by this explosive growth, the rise of the internet economy and the explosive growth of, of the Chinese economy. The second chapter really started with the cancellation of, of the an IPO uh, and this um, brought in and ushered in a, a whole suite of regulatory actions taming these internet giants. We're now entering a third phase when these tech giants are looking around and, and trying to chart a course that keeps them both on the good side of the government, whilst also referring back to the old playbook of boosting shareholder value, something that's been a little bit on the back burner while they've been fighting political battles. And it's really in this new environment that we're seeing changes and developments like Alibaba's restructuring. So I think it's the start of more to come. Eleanor Olcott is the FT's China correspondent. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, 
edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.